0: Welcome to Kashrus On The Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine. Tonight's show is going to be very interesting. It's preparing everybody for the upcoming Yom Tov of Shavuos and tying into some halachic areas and some Kashrus areas. But first I would like to start with a little question that I was asked by somebody from Eretz Israel. It seems that this gentleman, whom I know very well, uh, he 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 lived in America, out of town, when he was uh, growing up. So there wasn't his sh- the, the the town that he lived in had one Orthodox shul. I don't know if it had conservative or former also, but it had one Orthodox shul, and the one Orthodox shul, I believe, had mixed seating, and that's how he was brought up. And became a religious, very religious person, went, made aliyah, and uh, lives in Eretz Israel, and he's makpat on everything. He's makpat on Yashan and Chalab Yisrael, and all kinds of humrus, of everyth- everything you can imagine. And he conducts himself as we call datil uh, umi, which is nationalistic uh, uh, religious, which means that he's uh, a strong Zionist and uh, not a Haredi. Uh, very sincere person but very mocked on everything every halacha that possibly could imagine very knowledgeable he's in the Chino system in Israel for, for, for many years the interesting question well I went before the question let me tell you he came back to America once I met him and he said it's very little difficult I can't stay in America I can't stay here very long I said why not he said because I'm on everything I'm I Chal Yisrael and, and Yashin and this. I, I, I got in into Israel and the mitzvahs of Tel Yisbaritz and the other things that I'm, I'm reading and I'm understanding and I, I, can't, I can't change. I have to live that life. And it's very hard to hear in America, that was, this was many years ago, very hard in, the, in America to get the things that I'm used to. It was an interesting change from the way he grew up. But now he came to me with a question about his daughter. His daughter wanted to eat a certain product, and he told me she's not Mach Panachal Israel. So I answered the question, told her that the product is good, and the Hashgachah is good, etc. Uh, the, the question that came up to my, to my mind, he didn't ask it, is he has certain standards which I know are very strict. And he has a daughter, and he has a son and a daughter, and the daughter is uh, seems that it doesn't he's not mocked on all the things that he's mocked on and uh the interesting question is how does somebody go to their children if they're not mocked on what they're mocked on in other words how do i eat in my children's house if they're not like me as if anybody could be like you everybody's going to be different so this is a this is an age-old question probably goes back to time immemorial uh, first of all there's a question can you trust your children and in that we'll say of course you'll trust your children we'll see in a minute I we'll mention something that everybody really knows anyway but you can probably trust your children the question is what are their standards and what do they know and what do they care about and if you would ask them a question is this Chalav Israel? is this Yashon, is this this they'll answer you they're your children, they're going to be honest with you and they'll tell you but what are their standards all the time So that's a very, very interesting question. I don't think I have all the answers. I'm going to just try to take a little bit of it uh, in tonight, and maybe sometime we'll do some other things about this as well. The basic answer, of course, is, I think, going back to the way you brought them up. If you brought your, your children up, A, to be respectful to you, and B, that they enjoy the way that you lived in your house, so that's, assumably, presumably, that's what they're going to do in, your ha- in their house, just as anybody's house. I mean, my goodness, if you go to your friend's house, and you dive in next to him in shul, uh, how do you know that he knows every prat, and he keeps up on Kachvis magazine, and read every one of the alerts, and he knows exactly what's going on in every aspect, and that he's mockbit and that he, that he gets his meat from the way you get it, and he, gets, and he checks for bugs the way you do, or he buys with the hashkochas that you buy, how do you know anybody's like that? How can you ever eat anybody's house? How can you go to a simcha? Because if we go to a simcha, ultimately there's a Rava HaMashe. Okay, say, yeah, uh, good rava HaMashe. I'm sure he's going to do a good job. Fine. But uh, you really need know the products there. And you see that a lot of people who are lenient about this, and you're very strict about it. How do you live? This is an interesting question, although I'm not going to answer all of it. I mean, bottom line is that you have to have a certain degree of trust that you've developed for good reason. There has to be some communication. If the people never know that you're put on something or that you care if they're serving you this or that the other thing, and you have to speak up about it somewhere along the line, otherwise they're not going to know. Before you start going to the house when they first get married or whatever. And people change, and your children change also. They, they get more mock pit, less mock pit. There's some rubs said this was good. Some rubs say you don't have to do that. Uh, sometimes they don't listen to rub on it. Everybody is different, and it's very, very hard to make a, a hard and fast rule. And each person should know his own children, just as if he has to know his own friends and relatives and, and uh, next door neighbors. So this is a, it's an endless topic, but I want to share with you one thing. I'm sure you all know it anyway, but it's it's worth mentioning again. Uh, but Moshe Feinstein had a particular question. There was a Shiloh from a gentleman from Moscow. He was an older man. He couldn't take care of himself. He had to rely on a non-observant, anti-religious children to cook for him. They were anti-religious. You understand? Not just that they didn't practice but they thought Haredim and the religious people were nuts. So he wondered, this gentleman, if he could rely on the assertions that the food that they prepared for him is kosher. Remember, he's an old man, and he he feels he has to come on to his children, but they don't respect who he is, what he wants. They don't have that respect for Yiddishkeit. So could he rely on them if they say it's kosher? And remember, they have no halachic credibility because they're not shomer Torah and Mitzvahs. Nemanus relying on somebody, is only if they're similar to you, if they're Re'achob mitzvah, if they're doing like you do, they're observing Torah and Mitzvahs, so then you could trust them, just like you know something, they know something, but they don't know they'll ask a shayla. CF people, etc. That's how you eat in everybody's house and that's how you eat in the that's on a hushkacha that's on a restaurant or on a catering facility. But the question is here, we're talking about how can you rely on these children to claim telling me this is kosher when in fact they don't keep kosher and they don't respect kashras and they don't respect religious Jews but they're your children. And Rav R- answered them, if Reuven absolutely knows that Shimon, and, uh, and he knows him well, and it's known to Reuven, in the, the halachic terms, kim le begave, he knows it. It's, uh, it's, it's in his bones. He knows he, that the person is telling the truth with absolute knowledge that Shimon doesn't lie. Uvain is permitted to eat that which Shimon says is kosher, and this doesn't, it doesn't enter into the question of nemanis at all. Nemanis is a plain person you don't know anything about. But if this person you know will not lie to you. He's not a liar. He's known that no matter what that man says, his word is a word. And if he tells you it's kosher, and you can bank on it, you feel 100% you trust him in money, with this, with that, you know he's going to tell you the truth... If you believe that that's called kimle begave, then you can rely on that person, even though he didn't fit into the halachic of categories of mnemonics That that according to Jewish law, you're not supposed to rely on people who are not religious, because we don't. They don't have the same basis that we have. So possibly they're going to. Let's say they don't want to say lie. Let's say they're going to fudge a bizzle or they're going to try to make you happy, even though it they may not be kosher, because what is kosher anyway? It's only uh, an, old, an old tradition. They don't consider it to be serious. So, but this child of yours, if it's Kim Le Begave, so Ramosha Feinstein says, then you can rely on the kashrus, Since that doesn't enter into the area of nemonis, it's personal knowledge that you have about the other person. It's as if you saw it with your own eyes. Remember, the Ramoesha finds in the same person who told us that uh, you could rely on the government's control of the uh, milk industry because we, it's like we're standing there even though we don't see the milking, whereas the, the, we, we know that the government has tight control, and therefore it's as if we were there. That's the concept, you know, Kim Le'Begabe, as the Ramoesha says uh, regarding the, the Chal of Yisrael issue, Ramoesha's shita is that it's sahadeh. it's as if we were actually there and actually saw the milk, which is not true, but halakhically, he's saying the same thing. It was as if we were actually there. And here, it's as if this person, you know, you can, since you know you can trust them, then even though they don't have the halakhic status of nemanis, but a child would not cheat his own relative, and that basically is the the the, the basis of the chuva. If chuva is in a Khelik Alef uh Simen Nun Base. Uh, in, in any event, that's one of the most famous chuvas in the Unfortunately, there are many, many people who have to rely on that. In this case, in this, but, uh, but if a person, let's say for example, my friend's story here, so his child is not Nick Mockpad on Khalisrael. But when he goes there, I'm sure she would be careful to serve him only that which he would eat. Um, and, and on the basis of that, maybe he goes to her house, I don't really to ask him, but uh, it, it, we can certainly understand that she could rely on her. Now, it gets a little more sticky, especially since now we're talking about milchiks today cause, because of the shuos. Sure. But it gets a little sticky because kalim are an issue. So... Yes, uh, but my my Rebbe Zatzal, Reb Zimmin Zatsal, felt that you should kasher your kalim from Cholav Stam to Cholav Yisrael. If a person goes in to be marked by the Cholav Yisrael and he uses kalim for Chal of Stam before, he should kasher them. That's it. Was his opinion. Uh, others might say Reb Moshe Feinstein is telling you a din that Chal of Stam in America. Could be relied upon as anan uh, sahaday. It's as if we had chal israel So therefore, minadin, the, the the milk is kosher. And that's why he said if a person's in a difficult situation, he's not a town, he has to know the choices, so it's difficult, so he's allowed to rely on this heter that he gave him, but if a, if a Jew doesn't have to rely on it, or the yeshivas, they shouldn't rely on it, as he wrote in his chuvas. But So therefore we, when we approach the question, um, maybe we don't have to kashurach, hel- okay? Because if we hold like Rav Moshe Feinstein and we're only machmen and Chav Yisrael but me'ikah hadin we hold like Rav Moshe Feinstein and we're only doing a chumrah of being mach by the Chav Israel, then it, for us, maybe it's not necessary the Kash or the kelim. Chasidisha, who hold that Chav Stam is treif halachically treif and do not hold them from Repetus Moshe Feinstein. So for them, it's more interesting, and maybe then they should be kashering their kalem from Chal of Stam to Chal of Yisrael. So therefore, we create a little bit of a problem if this man goes to his daughter's house, and she is cooking up something with Chal of Yisrael for her father, but you have, you know, she has to know the dinner about Eino Ben Yomo. Halachically, we would say that if 24 hours goes by after she cooked up her milchiks for, for, for Shavuos, and she cooks up a separate thing for him, for Shavuos, that he could rely on uh, it being kosher and acceptable to Chal Yisrael standards, even though it was used in a keli that was clean, but was not used for 24 hours, and therefore, even though it was used for Chal Vistam before, it could be kosher here now. In fact, many of us who are who are on Yashan are doing the same thing, because a lot of times they're using the same equipment for non-Yashan for Chodesh as well as for Yashan. So it gets a little sticky, and people have to decide where they're going with it. Uh, I know some people who are very machped on the kalem with chiyashin, the others are not so machped, but then certainly anyway if it's not in a ben Yomo, if it's not been used for 24 hours, then the, then the food that was cooked in there is kosher. Even if you're machped on Chalv Yisrael or Giyashin, and the, the kalim we used for the other one, you still could rely on it if it had been cooked after 24 hours of downtime from the time that they cooked the Chalv Stam or the Chodesh. Okay, interesting question. So, uh, that's what I would say about that, and it's very important for people to get it together with their family, whether it's their children or their other relatives, that there should be some understanding, and they shouldn't be misled in any which way. Now we're going to start the topic for tonight. That was just an intro, uh, and, I, and it's related because it was about chal, chalov. Of course, the famous question about Milchika, food on Shurus, I'm looking now, I, sp- I spent a little time on it. Uh, a new book came out, a new Sefer, a very interesting Sefer from somebody who I know very well, Rabbi Yehuda Spitz, who is in the uh, Rosh Kolil in Orla Goyla, uh, which is a part of the Yeshiva or Sameach in Eretz Israel. And he puts out a regular column. Uh, I don't know if it's every week or not. I, I really don't remember anymore. But puts regularly columns on halakh issues. We printed some of them in the cosmos magazine, and I interviewed him. I think he was. I think we had him live once on the show. If not, I definitely interviewed him. Uh, I, I I believe he was. Yes, I believe. Yeah, he was. He did appear on this show. I don't know which, how many years ago, but a few years ago. And anyway, Rebbe Yehuda Spitz's material has been printed in Conscious Magazine and in countless other magazines and uh, other places, but it's online at Ohr.edu. O-H-R, Ohr for or samer, just Ohr Samech, just Ohr.edu. You can get, uh, you type in Spitz, S P I T Z, and you'll get dozens and dozens and dozens of, of articles that he wrote. They're all very interesting. He finally put out a Sefer, it's called, mixture in Hebrew and English, Sefer Iyunim Bahalachah Hilchos Hamazon, in English, Food Ahalachic Analysis. The name is Food Ahalachic Analysis, which gives a little bit, it's a little scary, uh, a nice cover, but it's a little scary title. The truth of the matter is, once you read Rabbi Spitz, or once you, 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 you get into his uh, writings, you'll see it's a lot of fun. It's very, very interesting. Uh, he has voluminous notes, I mean footnotes. You could spend your life just doing his footnotes. And he, he has tremendous topics. But the best part of, of everything he writes is the titles. I mean, if I read the titles to you, it, that, that would be a trip in itself, but I don't have the time to do it. i just give you a, a couple of cuties over here. Um, the Lox and Cream Cheese Dilemma, uh, Buffalo Burgers and the Zebu Controversy, uh, the the Great Dishwasher Debate, uh, Hard Cheese Complexities, uh, The Era of Pesach meat scandal, the evolution of kosher gelatin in America, uh, the great challenge, challenge, salting with sugar. These are, these are real titles, I didn't make them up. Fish with legs, we did that one on the show here once. Fish with legs. The Coca Cola Koshvist controversy. I mean, it's the, it reads like, uh, you know, it's just, it just read the, the titles alone grab you. But the articles uh, that he wrote are so full of information, so well researched, I, I, I rarely met a person who did such research. And what's interesting is, you know, it's like way a lot of the people are today, they throw everybody in together. You have Rishonim, uh, the Heinteger, Rabonim, and Poiskim, and then you have the 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 ones who gathered the material together, and, and all the Mithronians He does tell you who's who. I mean, you don't get, you don't misunderstand. He's not comparing Rashi to somebody living today, but but still, in all, he gives you everything, everything. And if you you'd have to have a full library to research some of the footnotes that he gives you. But you should. It's worth looking them up because the man has just compiled such an interesting collection. So today I'm going to do two of his pieces, which tie into Shrewis and uh, the, 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 the famous question about uh, what you're allowed to have in two meals and, uh, and, and 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 benching in between, etc. So the article that I'm going to discuss is called Of Bullseyes The Corbin Cheesecake and Dairy Bread. I'm not going to read you the whole article. I'm not even going to read it at all. I'm going to just tell you some of the things he's says basically the first question is what is the reason why we eat cheese on or cheese or milk on shavuos and the answer is there's hundreds of answers hundreds of answers i'm not exaggerating one safer called metame moshe you ready Lists 149 reasons for the Minig of having Milchix on 149 reasons. He doesn't give uh, Rabbi Spitz doesn't give even one of them, but we're going to go through some other things here too. And if you go and collect all the others that are around, you probably will come over two hundred. But a hundred and forty-nine, you know, I, I, there's a famous uh, Kasha from the Bei's Yosef on uh, Hanukkah. Why, why is it eight days and when it's only seven days with a miracle? The first day the oil is going to burn anyway. Uh, and, and this uh, cipher they call the, the, the Neir Le that put out a hundred answers. But this gentleman Matame Moshe put out a hundred and forty-nine reasons why we have on Shavuos. Amazing. The interesting thing is, uh, this is the really you have to you have to get into this. It's really he he presents it, uh, Rabbi Spitz presents a very uh, interesting uh, uh, understanding of the whole aspect of the dairy on on, on Shavuos. He said, in Eretz Israel, they call it Chag Hagevina. You know, every Yom Tov has a special quality to it, so they call the Yom of Shavuos Chag Hagevina. And he made a little joke about it. He says, although no one really minds paying a lot less for various cheeses on sale during the weeks leading up to Shavuos, still the idea that a Yom Tov can be commercially sponsored by the cheese companies should give one us pause. In other words, it's a little bit funny that we're calling it chag hagivina, not not really what we should be doing. Uh, but the, the minig is a very good minig. We the minig was mentioned early, and I'm going to show you the sources of this minig of the uh, as far back as we go. It, it's it goes back a few hundred years before the Shulchan Aruch. I don't have an exact date, but Ramosha Moshe in the Shulchan Aruch that Moshe Islis is the Ramah commenting on the words of, the, of, of Yosef Karo in the Shulchan Aruch, and he brings down the minig that we have to uh, eat meat, dairy on shuas. It's brought down uh, in Taf Tzadi Dalid, Sif Gimel, and the Ramah says, I'm quoting now, ma chalav Byom And I stress these words that it says Bukhomakom and every place we have the minig to eat dairy on Shwas, and it also says "Byom Rishon. I know people who have a minig to have it two days. In the Ramor it says Yom HaRishon. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't mention a second, the second day. Obviously, if it's a Rishon, there's a second. So we're talking about Chutzlar, it's, and, and, and yet they only mention the first day because that was the time the giving of the Torah, and, uh, and, and, that's, um, and that's how it ties in. We'll see in a minute. So this is uh, the Minig, he, and Rabbi Spitz points out something very interesting. I don't know historically where he got everything. By the way, he's a historian. I mean, it's it's quite obvious, even though he's a Tamal Chochem and he's, he's a Rosh Koilil and he writes this, the writing this Sefer, he wrote all these different uh, articles, etc. But uh, you'll see from the style, I mean, if you get the book, uh, again, the name of the book is Food, a Halachic Analysis. It's uh, put out by, uh, it says, Jewish Le- Le- Learning Library of Or but the publisher is Mosaic Press. The marriage of Israel, and it's distributed in America by Feldheim. So we, we're, we're talking about, he's very much a an historian, and some of his footnotes have in very interesting history pieces. But what he mentions here is interesting, is that he says that uh, it seems that one of the earliest mentions of, this, of such a minig is by the Remor, and it says... He says it's the prevailing custom of eating dairy items, specifically in Shavuos. Although there are many rationales and reasons upon it, and if, he's, if he is one of the earliest mentions, so it's interesting that the Minnig started earlier, obviously. Where did the Minnig start? I don't really know. But uh, Rabbi Spitz brings down over here that uh, the different Rishonim, he said the... Uh, there were Rishonim called Rabbi Vigdor Hatzorfati and Hagost to Rabbi Yitzchak Isaac's turn now Sefer Hamin Hagim, and they give a different they give a different reasons uh, for the. Oh, here's what he said: the ones that predate the Ramo, he mentions he mentions the Kolbo and Melamed LaHatalmidim. These predate the uh, the um, the Ramo. And they give other sources for the, for the minig, uh, and it's, they're several centuries before the Ramor. So, yes, we don't see a lot of discussion about this minig earlier, but it obviously was going on for hundreds of years. So by the time the Ramor came, he says, B'chol makom, And obviously had a big impact on everybody, and, and you know almost everybody we know that is very mockped on having some of at one of the meals or before the meal at, on Shavuos, at least the first day. Now, I'm, so again, we mentioned there were 149, This one seif of Matame Moshe. What does Ramor say? He himself gives a reason. He says the reason for the Minig is because of the, the, the korban of the Shtei HaLechem. There was a korban of Shtei HaLechem that permitted the use of chadash grain, in wheat grain, uh, for the korbanos, uh, in, and 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 that was the first one to do it. The first time we used it, just like we have the Omer, which we, we, we is from the barley. Uh, the first time that the korban was brought with with uh, with the new grain is on Shavuos. So that 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 uh, korban, the korban of the Steh uh, Alechem, which is two loaves of bread, that is the source of this minig that. There, that there were two of them, and uh, one is for the milkica meal, and one is for the fleishik meal. That sort of seems to be the concept of why we have a milchika meal, and obviously you don't have milk and meat together, so we have to have two meals and that, or two times eating a uh, milk and a meat, even if you do it in one meal, and that uh, different loaves, and that's the meaning that many people have that they have a i mean this is what i do so uh, we have the, the we have two breads we wash we have we use one bread for milk and then we clean our hands and the uh, mouth and eat something and drink something and check ourselves and change the tablecloth and the whole shenanigans which takes just a couple of minutes and then we have a using the other challah so we use two challahs at the same meal one for the milchik part and one for the fleshikah part. And some people bench in between, have two meals, and some people don't do that. They have kiddush, is milchiks, and then afterwards they have a fleshikah suda. Everybody has different minhag, and we're going to discuss them a little bit more. But yes, they're all based on the same thing, of the shtei ha which is the classic reason that the more brings, although we said there were 149 reasons in the matan uh, Moshe... And there are plenty of other reasons that I saw brought down. Some of them are very wild. One of the earlier ones, a very interesting one. I mean, it's just again to me they're all light. The only one that makes sense is this one. There are more brings in all that. There are more only that one. I'm sure he must have heard some of the 149. Anyway, there's a pasuk uh, in Parshas Pinchas, parak in Bamidbar. Parshas Pinchas, parak chavches the it says, Mincha Chadosha LaShem B'Shvua Oseichem Mincha starts with a Mem Chadosha starts with a, 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 a Ches L'Hashem starts with a Lamed and B'Shvua uh, Oseichem starts with a Base. so if you look at it, it spells Me Chalav okay I mean, you know, if you, want, if you just got chalav, you'd be happy. Right now, I'm saying may chalav, so you get only kind of excited. Okay. But still in all, this is a, a source that is brought. Uh, it's brought by the uh, several Rishonim, Rav Avigdor Hatzofati and the Hagos of Rav Yitzchak Isaac Ternau in the Sefer HaMinhogim. They both bring this reason that I just gave you from the Palsuk and Parshish Pinchas. But... Until this is very interesting. The line here, I, I, which is sort of strange to me, it says that Rabbi Spitz is writing. It was not until the Ramor actually codified this minag in halacha that it became widespread. Which is sort of funny because he says "bechol makom." So I suppose he means that when Ramor says "bechol makom," he meant in his uh, his community, in his area, in his world that he he was living in, but not necessarily in, completely internationally. Uh, what, what Rabbi Spitz is trying to say that he believes that it, it started uh, to, to snowball from there uh, there's, an, there's an article I didn't see it yet I do want to see it there's a Rabbi Dr. Eliezer Brot he has an article that appeared in 2013 in AMI magazine entitled The Mysteries of Milchiks so, and in that article uh, May 12th 2013 pages 88 to 93, he discusses uh, this exact topic of the spreading of the uh, of this minig. So I thought that would be something I'd like to see. In any event, again, we say that there's different ways to do it, and it's interesting, the Ramaz minig, based upon the idea of the Sh'te'a alechem, which is a korban. And what's interesting is there's a gemara in Bruchos. it's on nun Hei amud aleph, and it says that in our days the mizbeach doesn't exist, and our tables are compared to the mizbeach, uh, and our food is like korbonos. and and also the chazal tell us that uh, that we. That we do chesed at our tables. We invite in the guests that we invite in. That our tables are reaching out to doing chesed, uh, to in, 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 in an extraordinary way, of bringing Klay Yisrael together, and very much so. This is ties into the keish echod, beleiv echad, the concept that. The Torah was given. We all stood at Har Sinai, at the foot of Har Sinai, underneath the Har Sinai, and 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 we, you know, like one people with one heart, with one mind, with one thing, one one plan, one aim, one goal, united. And I don't want to go into it, but this is very much the problem of what's going on today and this, the recent tragedy that occurred. Uh, I've lot to say it, but I'm not going to say it on the radio. But they say, uh, 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 the, the tragedy very much ties into the idea of the need for unity among the Jewish people. If you can put it into perspective yourself. I don't really need to go there. In any event, this is uh, a little bit of an idea of what the minig is with the and with the and with the two meals. Now, this question about whether we should have it in one meal or two meals. So, uh, Moshe Feinstein holds that... It'd be